road trip. I want to stay home and bake cookies with you. <laughs> That's a Space Jam reference. In case you haven't seen Space Jam, you get, should correct your life choices. Get your shit together. It's been almost 30 years. We're talking about the original Space Jam, not the remake. <laughs> not the remake with LeBron. He didn't take it personally enough. <laughs> yeah, I hear that one didn't go over so well. They were selling like random Space Jam shaped things for a while. They had uh, they had like gummies, I think, that were like Space Jam shoes shaped. Hmm. Like they were basically just tennis shoes. <laughs> it's like because that's what every kid wants. Shoe candy. When I eat my shoe candy, it's typically little squirmy worms. <laughs> like to massage them between my toes, get them real soft. That's sexy. These are, these are the reasons why I married you. I'm just really into when you dig the toe dirt dig out of your dirt. toes. <laughs> the toe dirt out your toes. We're on a strong start. Welcome to I the Nightmare Vibes. I didn't want a podcast. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm at the opener. <laughs> Presenting mistakes for me. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent. The whiny. The whiny. Kristen Bloom. But those bitches are going to send me a new coffee pot. <laughs> those bitches will send you a new coffee pot. We had this issue. With, uh, we've got a, a ninja. And this is our second one that's kind of gone to shit on us. So Kristen had to argue with the customer service people yeah. for like two hours yesterday. Yeah, they're not very nice. And they make coffee pots. So you'd think they'd be nice people. Well, they make a lot of kitchen appliances. They're not hurting for money. Just <laughs> cover the warranty on my product. Jesus. Cover it, damn you. Or Why'd you give me the red one? It's the blue ones in the dishwasher. Did we cheers? We did cheers. We did cheers. You're all out of it today. <laughs> I was at work all day. I'm tired. <sighs> I didn't so, get to stay home and bake cookies with you. <laughs> so, uh, let's get into it. We've been watching, um, and this... I know it's groundbreaking. I know that it's right there in the headlines. I know it's brand new. Uh, Scrubs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Stranger Things. We'll get to that in here in a minute. Uh, but we've been rewatching some Scrubs because we found out that those were on Amazon Prime. And if I had like one show from my childhood that I could watch over and over and over again, for whatever reason, it is that show, and especially that first season. Um, we saw my favorite episode... And we saw the one that had my favorite joke in it, the white t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know why that always gets me, but it gets me every time. Uh, but there's... What you wearing? There's one in particular called My Old Lady, which um, I actually read an article about today because I was like, am I the only one who is like emotionally fucked up by the My Old Lady episode every time yeah. I watch it? It's like, I, I, I've seen it probably 50 times and it started tearing me up again at the very end of it. If you're unfamiliar, uh, basically the gang gets, um, everybody gets one patient and they're told that one in three passes away and spoiler alert, all three wind up passing away. But JD has um, like almost a maternal relationship with his patient who's trying to pass on life lessons and she's rejecting a very simple life-saving uh, surgery. Uh, she rejects dialysis and patients who do oh, dialysis nice. have to do it regularly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in theory, I guess, yeah, all she has to do is lay there and get the transfusion. Um, but it's a thing patients have to do regularly. So then you become codependent on it to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want that in her yeah. life. She wants the, um, what do you call it, quality over quantity. 
type situation, and that's kind of her message throughout the whole episode. But I read a article today. Apparently, I'm not the only one that's been blown away by this particular episode, and the author had a whole argument that it might be the perfect sitcom episode, especially if all of the scrubs. Because if you go back and rewatch it, it's really funny for most no, of the it. The one where he's hallucinating his brother-in-law. That's the saddest pretty one. Deep. <laughs> That's the saddest one in the entire series. And I probably will cry at that one again, too. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but there's an argument to be made that it is the perfect episode of Scrubs, if not a perfect sitcom episode, period. Because it has all of these different elements inside of a 22-minute window. Which I think is what makes it so powerful for me and why it trips me up every time. We get in, and I'm immediately in love with this old lady. Like She's funny, she's endearing. It comes at a weird part in the first season where JD's still trying to establish himself, you know, which he does for nine straight seasons pretty much, but in the very first season where he's getting shit on every day, um, we get this really nice endearing character. We build this beautiful relationship with her while simultaneously building four other relationships in the same episode. Um, and then she's taken away, so we get really sad, and then we get the moral uplift at the very end of it where they're all sitting i believe it's that one they're all sitting at the bar no they're sitting in the grass together that's right yep they all meet up in the grass together and lesson learned uh not typically a fan of which is weird because i am a big fan of scrubs but um moral message for the public at the end of an episode but i really like that one it's a little buddhist though it's Mm -hmm. like take time to like lay in the grass and appreciate life and do the things that you want to do yeah have you been to the Eiffel Tower? Have you been to the Eiffel Tower? Or whatever it says. <laughs> You're just making stuff up. <laughs> but I've been pretty impressed with it. You know, it's been a few years since I sat down and started the series back over, and I'm always afraid it's going to be one of those, ah, oh, I remember when I was a teenager and I thought that was really cool. But so far I've enjoyed every single one of them, even if I know what's going to happen every single time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's probably episodes I definitely don't remember exactly because we were having moments while we were watching it where I was like, is this the episode where this happens? And I was like, no, no, I think this happens. Or maybe that's a different episode. <laughs> it's like there's so many of them, you can kind of start to blur them together a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It, do, it does in a very... Um, did it come out in the early 2000s? 2001. Yeah. yeah. It does in a very, like early 2000s way hold up like it mm-hmm. is um it's the smaller screens wide screens really weren't popular back then um and the quality's not like on par with current tv shows but it does like the the writing and like the heart and stuff behind it and mm-hmm. like the development of the characters i feel like holds up for sure oh yeah and dr cox still makes me laugh but it's an interesting show in that the writing strike happens like in the later series, seasons rather. And that one is one that you can see the effects of that writer's strike. Because like it's so well put together and then just turns to dog shit for like two seasons yeah. and <laughs> comes back in. So it'll be fun because I do want to do all of them, you know, not binge them all, you know, right away. But when we do get to that writer's strike season, it, it, it's painful. <laughs> yeah, it nosedives pretty hard. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't like whenever... Uh, and a lot of shows are guilty of this. It's not specifically just Scrubs. Um, shows start writing um, offshoots where there's, like, drama happening. Mm-hmm. 
just to have episodes. Yeah. Like, I feel like the whole spinoff with him and the other chick that he eventually has a baby with is just, like, trying to yeah. drag it out for the sake of, like, having content. And, like, How I Met Your Mother was really bad about mm-hmm. that, too. And I loved that show also. But yeah, they'd have, like, asides with characters that hung around for way too long. Yeah, whole episodes where you don't get to see the majority of the cast. You know, JD doesn't even go to the hospital in a few of them, I think. You know? <laughs> it's like, where, where's my doctor show? Yeah. So, I don't know. It, I have a hard time when I hit, like, a roadblock in shows, like, sucking it pushing up and through. Yeah, pushing through to get to the other side of it. Because even The Office did the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. after Steve Carell decided he wanted to retire, it, in my opinion, took a pretty aggressive nosedive. Yeah. The finale was really good, but it mm. just was not the same. Not and it's like, I show. think we should have just called it. Yeah, it should have been it. You don't have, oh, shit, what's his name? Who does Steve play? I've forgotten the name. Michael. Michael. Yeah. You, Michael Scott. You don't have Michael Scott anymore. That show disappears. Like the guy that they replaced him with is pretty funny, but he's not. Will Ferrell. Oh, was it, that's who it was. I thought it was the guy from The Hangover. No, they like immediately replaced him with Will Ferrell. Uh, the guy from The Hangover is Andy, and Andy mm-hmm. does eventually end up in charge. I think briefly. I don't know if he's in charge the whole time. Ultimately, at the end of it, it finally goes to Dwight, who wanted it all along. <laughs> so the very, very end, Dwight finally gets it. <laughs> when he's matured enough to be responsible enough to run it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, like, and I, I think for me, maybe that was part of the problem, too, is they tried to substitute celebrity guests for a while mm. before they finally settled on Andy. Who were basically just doing impressions of what Michael was Yeah, because it was Will Ferrell for a while, and then Kathy Bates came in for a while, and then um, I think after that, maybe it went to Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just, I don't know. Didn't, wasn't the same. No. Bastards. But you know what's even better? After a long, long break? The things that are strange... Got so much fucking stranger. (laughs) (laughs) Which we haven't finished the first little drop just yet. Yeah, we've only done like what two or three. I think the first two so far, so we can't like open up and talk too much about it. Um, But goddamn, where should we? Also, it just released. I don't know how much we want to spoil because it just released. Well, I want to talk about like theme more or less with that one instead of like the plot details because it is brand new and people have waited so long for it. Just how much more dark it is. Yeah. Like, it feels like the show grew up along with the characters now. And the hilarious thing is I distinctly remember, um, because you and I did the third one together, because I Mm -hmm. hadn't seen the third one yet. I distinctly remember when we watched the third one going, wow, this got dark. (laughs) And then the first episode of this one, I was like, okay. I guess we're just digging. (laughs) Whole another level of dark. (laughs) A lot more graphic, too. Like, it felt like the... I mean, there was, like, blood and violence and people died in the very first one when they were just kids, yeah. but it felt, like, a lot more kitty, mm-hmm. and they weren't, like, as, like, Holy no, you're gonna sit God. and watch this. No, this is a Resident Evil monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming for you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I find that really, I probably, I, smart move, probably the most terrifying monster of, of all, because they have, mm-hmm. as far as they know basically sealed off the upside down so there's a monster from the upside down that's still able to reach them without even entering their world at all yeah and all the other monsters were physically coming into their world so i'm very curious how they're gonna fight it off because we haven't gotten 
I mean, we're mm-hmm. only two episodes in, but we haven't gotten to any kind of like plan on how to take out the bad guy yet. Well, I'm hoping, and there's a lot of like Nightmare on Elm Street stuff that happens, which isn't strange for Stranger Things. Stranger yeah, Things they nod to a yeah. lot of classics that came before them. But there's been a lot of nightmare um, in the show. Like she gets sucked to the ceiling at one point. He's got long fingers. He's got the long fingers. And I'm just hoping that they don't go like Dream Fighter with it. And bring him into the real world. Yeah. Like I hope that they find a a, while paying homage to Craven, which is obviously what they're doing. I hope they find like a new way to defeat the demon instead of just grab him and bring him in and then we'll beat him to death with a bat. Well, to be (laughs) fair, they did already establish early on, before we ever even met this monster, that Elle has the ability to go into her mind and meet other people there. Mm -hmm. So, if they decide to go that route where it's not going into an actual dream, but Elle's just going into her mind to find this monster and like mentally connecting with it, that's not terribly far-fetched because they've already established she can do that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I could see them maybe playing that element. I think ultimately they're going to have to reopen the Upside Down, though, and yeah. kind of recognize that that uh, portal will always be there. It's necessary somehow, some sort yeah. of necessary evil. So that's my assumption, is the Upside Down will get opened that. again. But yeah, it was a mindfuck. It felt like a, an adult horror film, in the like immediately. It's like, oh, we're going into it. You jumped at one point. I can't remember exactly what happened. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, was it? Damn. I don't remember. I don't know. It was one of the monsters did some fucked up thing, and it came out of absolutely nowhere. Well, I like, too, um, which is a bit of a nod to Nightmare on Elm. And, yeah, we're sort of, I guess, doing spoilers, so maybe pause if you haven't watched it yet. You should have paused already if you haven't watched it yet. Um, you haven't have watched your house yet. You should have watched it already, really. <laughs> so that's on you, not me. Um, I think the... My favorite thing about this monster is he first introduces himself to these people through just regular people. Mm -hmm. So, like, at first you're like, oh, we're just having, like, a regular conversation with this regular guy. And then this regular guy starts saying weird shit. And then bugs start coming out of his face. And then you realize, (laughs) oh, this is not... (laughs) Yeah, this is our bad guy. Yeah. So I like that. That it's, like, very sudden and unexpected... And then the second the monster makes that first encounter, it's like just a ticking time bomb. Yeah, now who can we trust? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the... the um, I didn't... Um, I don't know that I've seen it, so I didn't make the connection, but I was talking to one of my friends at work that's also into the show, and um, she had said uh, Encounters of the Fourth Kind? I think uh, it's Third Kind, but let me double-check it. No, I think it's just called The Fourth Kind. That's what it is. There's no encounters in it. Yeah, there's encounters of the third kind, but I think it's just called The Fourth Kind. Okay. Um, the Fourth Kind. Is that a thing? Pseudo-documentary. Okay. Um, so, supposedly, I haven't seen it, but in The Fourth Kind, before the people get snatched by aliens. What a... Now I'm confused. It's a science fiction, psychological, horror, thriller film film is a pseudo-documentary purporting to be a dramatic reenactment of true events. Okay, that's what they meant. Okay. I was like, I didn't want to tell people. It's all <laughs> based on facts and then be like, wait, when did the aliens come in? <laughs> I think Encounters of the Third Kind is also a movie, though. Um, but the fourth kind, supposedly, according to my friend at work. Um, before the aliens snatch you, there's like always an owl that you see, so there's this kind of like 
presence that looms like, oh, mm-hmm. you're about to get got. And uh, she said that the ticking clock that constantly keeps showing up reminded her of that. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. There's like even stuff that you and I haven't seen or yeah. aren't familiar with that maybe they're kind of nodding to, which I don't know that that's specifically the fourth kind, but... Well, that's fun, because like, I've never seen that movie, but a little detail like that, if I found that out from a friend or like through an article, mm-hmm. would make me want to go see those individual films. Did you see that the song from the fucking... the first episode, like the 80s rock hit that they do, like the opening montage to, hit number one on the billboard after the show came out? Like, it's an obscure the song. That the brothers always listen to? I think so. I, uh. I'd, I'd have to look it up, but it's like from back from 85, and it's just some obscure song I don't know if I'd ever even should heard Should I stay before. or should I go? Not that no? one. Damn. Now I'm, I'm Googling stuff again, but it hit... Stranger Things, Billboard. Music. Okay, that pulled up an article about Weird Al. <laughs> Maybe it was Weird Al. Um, Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill hit number one on the billboard since the show nice. came out. Nice. I don't know if I, I'd have to listen to it. Yeah. I don't even know if I know what it is. It came out in eight, 1985, and then just out of fucking nowhere 45 years later. <laughs> number one! Well, I think that's part of my favorite thing about the show. It's like, okay... I think largely, truthfully, it does cater to a somewhat nerdier audience. I don't think a true... Mm-hmm. Especially that first... Like, there was a lot of what is d and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, I don't think a true, legit jock who's into like football and does not find video games fun or any of that stuff would really enjoy this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think even people that are just kind of vaguely nerdy, but not really nerdy, there's like a lot of stuff to offer. Cause I mean, it does have like a really good soundtrack. Yeah. So people that are into like older, um, rock music, I feel like would enjoy it. The characters are quirky and fun. The kids are adorable. But then there's like a lot, a lot, a lot of like nods to other shit. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a perfect. Down to the shirts that they wear. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that that's a perfect example of, like, I, you and I watch it and we see things where it's like, oh, Nightmare on Elm. And then mm-hmm. someone else will watch it and go, I'm pretty sure that's a nod to the fourth kind. <laughs> and, like, I, I like that, like, depending on what you're into or what your experiences are, people are, like, going to pick up on different references. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Like, it feels like, for the most part, it's an inclusive show in that way because there's so much there. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, not, not to be biased towards meatheads but you might not enjoy the show <laughs> might not be your favorite thing you tend to be the enemy for <laughs> yeah. a good portion of pretty the much show. the whole show is like yay losers boo meatheads <laughs> um but i want i, I guess it, to be fair steve steve was a jerk yeah like, he transitioned to be like their protector yeah but he's still which is kind of sad i guess he's still technically popular but he also never went anywhere (laughs) he's like the popular kid who never left town just telling everybody about that one catch you made yeah (laughs) you should have seen it it was 50 yards i don't play football i don't think he did either i think he played basketball or something i don't remember it was one of those but really enjoying it thus far nothing else is really coming to mind is that the first show definitely that does this much nodding in every direction with but since which i guess is another good point is craven and carpenter carpenter did halloween not for you but for the audience john carpenter west craven 
uh, would do a lot of homage to each other. Yeah, like little back and forth. Little back and forth nods that if you're not paying attention, you probably won't catch. Like, I think it's one of the later... No, that was in the Chucky movie when they did it to both of them. When they went through the evidence locker and mm -hmm. you see, like, the glove from Kruger in the mask, in the Halloween mask. So I guess the genre's always had this. There's something in the Evil Dead that goes to a different film. So the, the classic masters have always kind of nodded to each other, but this feels like a fan of that genre is trying to do what they did to each other to honor <laughs> yeah, to honor everybody that yeah. might have inspired them. Well, I like that it's a serious... Um, I mean, it's, it's its own fantastic storyline by itself, mm -hmm. the nods aside, but it's a serious take if you're trying to like honor someone else um, without stealing material. That's, I think that's what I was trying um, to say. <laughs> and like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of joke movies, like the scary movie series that have mm -hmm. done that where they're like, Oh, we're going to kind of nod at everyone, but we're being silly. We're not being serious. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of movies that's that part of scary movies <laughs> when she gets stabbed, but her implant comes out on the knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like a lot of, especially B-level horror films that try to do it end up kind of ultimately ripping off the theme mm -hmm. and just kind of repeating it. And, like, I, I will say, um, this monster, there, and we've only seen two episodes, again, to be fair, is very heavy Nightmare on Elm, mm -hmm. but the show itself and the situation itself is so unique. You can't yeah. be like, oh, that's clearly Freddy. Yeah, and that's what I was saying with the, the Dream Warrior thing. Like, I hope that they've they've expanded it to the point where it's not just as simple as you grab his sweater, you drag him back here, we kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope that because they are just kind of nodding all around the place, they find like a more fantastical way to solve the problem. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, we've established and they established that in the teasers before this season even came out so there's no mm -hmm. way this is a spoiler and um, we've established hopper is alive yeah um which i don't know why they gave that away in the promo material have they shown that yet yeah 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 like the yeah. trailer showed hopper like no, I meant working it, in the show oh i was like i think we got like a really brief, brief glimpse of him yeah we haven't seen really what he's doing right now but we've seen him being tortured and sent mm -hmm. off um but, like, I, I am kind of surprised they chose to spoil that ahead of the show. Is he in the Upside Down, or is he in the no, real world in the government world. facility? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Russians. The, uh, that, that's right. Took him. Um, Damn, Ruski. <laughs> but we've obviously already established Hopper is alive, and Hopper is kind of our ultimate anti-hero throughout mm -hmm. the whole series. So, like, I feel like we may, to some extent, play with that. Like, Elle can reach people through her mind, so we may have Elle reach this monster through her mind, but I think, eventually, Hopper's gonna have to face him down, as Hopper yeah. always does. <laughs> um, Getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, so I think we'll... Um, I, I would like to think they won't just do it on a... Um, I guess a spiritual mm -hmm. realm or whatever. I'd like to think that we'll actually see the monster face-to-face, because... -face, they almost always do the mind flare for the most part stayed in the upside down until mm -hmm. uh gosh was it the end of the last season i can't remember when they I finally faced so. it um but yeah we just saw the mind flare through will's visions up until the final showdown and then we got to meet the mind flare mm -hmm. um so i i think that they'll kind of do similar where 
We're like, who is this mysterious bad guy? And then it'll be like, now we gotta go kill him. We're here. (laughs) You think that because they split it up into like two mini seasons, more or less, that the initial confrontation happens at the end of the first group and then like the fight is the second half? I don't know. I think we're definitely gonna get stuck on a cliffhanger for sure Mm because the next drop is fairly soon. Um, so there's not a huge, huge gap. Um, but I, yeah, I would imagine there's going to be some kind of a cliffhanger. Um, and I highly doubt it'll be a whole new monster in the second yeah. uh, series of episodes, even though I think technically the previous seasons weren't any longer than this, were they? I don't I remember. So. Um, I don't know. I I really, it's one of my favorite shows, I think, that's been done, period. Like, not even my favorite current show. Like, I really <laughs> love, too, like, all the just, like, I I have played D&D before, but I wasn't, like, a person who was like, oh, I'm really into yeah. D&D or anything like that. But I do like that we kind of get introduced to the monster initially through this, like, seemingly very innocent game. Yeah. And so the children are kind of preemptively setting up what we're about to go into, and they're like, oh, this is the worst monster. We've had the hardest time beating this campaign. (laughs) And then they're like, oh, fuck, he's real. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, and I mentioned that when we initially talked about it, because I'm never, I don't think I've ever seen a Dungeons & Dragons game in real life. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the board. I don't know if there is a board. Well, it's not a a board. board. (laughs) I have one friend who's really into it, and we don't talk about it. (laughs) My dad had, which I know we've talked about that before in previous episodes, my dad had uh, books that were um, kind of about the world and about the Mm -hmm. monsters and, like, about, like, what type of creatures lived in that world, because the premise is basically... There's guidelines um, to what the world is and what exists within the world and how to play the game. And then you take those guidelines and create whatever you want to create. So, like, I I remember, like, all the sketches of what, like, the monsters look like or, like, what, like, the people in the realm look like or what, like, the castles and stuff look like. And I'm sure that it's, like, really fascinating and it sounds like a really fun creative exercise. I don't know how it ever got past me. I just, I had friends that, like fought people growing up. Well, Dungeons and Dragons is a pretty old game. Like, yeah. It, it was like... From the 80s, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a game that was basically invented for nerds before, like, these, like, in-depth video games came out. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, like, here's, like, kind of sketches of what these things look like, and then whatever your mind can imagine is what the world yeah. is. So, yeah, yeah it was... <laughs> it was basically the, we don't have the technology to actually make it, so just make it in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I think is brilliant, you know. I, I, I do, and there's not a shot in hell that I ever play it. But I, I, I can appreciate it because of Stranger Things. Like it, it makes sense to me now, you know. I, I have no interest in actually playing the game. But before I was like, well, is it just some like dumb? You roll the dice and what? But this shows like the, the social settings and the weekly appointments to play, you know, which reminds me of um like when we went and saw your sister and her husband while we were there they played a final fantasy game and i guess every tuesday like they link up with these guys up from all around the world and they have a chat going and they do raids and it's their friends like it's their social setting Mm -hmm. which i've I've never really had that like when i want to hang out with my friends we text each other and say hey man want to grab a beer and head down to the pool hall 
where it would be a lot healthier if it was like, hey, dude, um, one hour. I can only do one hour, but one hour every Tuesday, the five of us link yeah. up. And it, 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 I can imagine that it builds very strong relationships, yeah. especially in uh, like these kids that are in the show who are largely isolated for their nerdier qualities are, you know, they're able to reinforce, no, what we like is okay, you know. Realistically, if I had been a kid in that time period, I might at that time have been like, oh, like I would like to be a part of that kind of a group and um, maybe do that regularly. I think being alive now where like video games are so advanced mm -hmm. and also board games and all that stuff like exists, like to me, I probably wouldn't play Dungeons and Dragons either because I'm like, oh, I could like go play Final Fantasy. Yeah. You know, so I think Call for, of Duty, yeah, for, for the gentlemen that are in the room. <laughs> so yeah, I think for me, like realistically, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't play it either if I've been mm -hmm. alive and like a kid and like trying to, you know, make connections back then, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's. I mean, it's it's definitely catered towards the nerds. I mean, and it's similar, I guess, to like kids who do like weekly like street games of like hockey mm -hmm. or like street games of basketball or whatever and you're not like on the school team or whatever it's a similar concept or if you and i like invited friends over every week to play one of the board games we own yeah, yeah i think it's more about like a place where you can enjoy a thing that you love with people that love it with you yeah and, like, so i guess I like it's that. not that different than my grimy little pool hall when i would <laughs> meet up with my friends like every saturday and be like all right well you know I'll be shooting pool, and if you want to shoot pool, come down to the pool hall, but I'm hanging out there an hour and a half, and I'm gone, you know, but it, it, it gave us an excuse to kind of come together, even if it was in a dingy pool hall drinking <laughs> piss beer. <clears throat> That's awesome. See, I learned something. So we're going to start About a the raid. the human condition. Maybe, so. maybe not on Final Fantasy, but Brett and I are going to find a thing. <laughs> well, we've got Elden um, Ring, and I'm bad at that. Well, I don't and, think you can chat with people in that, can you? I mean, I your uh, brother-in-law had just his phone open. That was on Final Fantasy, though. That was an Elden Ring. Yeah, but you could just have your phone open. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> I want to play the same thing together. I don't want to be playing separate games Well, he was saying that he could hop into the Elden Ring game yeah. that we were playing and help us. You're going to do a group thing. You're ruining this for me. I'm sorry. Why are you sabotaging all my fun? I'm bad at video games. <laughs> so anyway, Brett won't be invited to the raid. But if anyone <laughs> listening would like to join me, we'll find a game. And That'd we'll weekly fun. raid with our podcasters. But we'll, Brett won't be invited. And we'll start a Twitch stream. Yeah. And we'll take over the world. We'll do that. <laughs> and I, I'll have a separate Twitch stream for people who don't want to play with me because i'm bad and uh, you can watch me sad sex <laughs> you can watch me get killed by the tutorial boss in god of war 3 uh, about 50 times before Kristen comes oh, and bails me out that bad. you only caught him like two or three times <laughs> it's like triangle circle fuck <laughs> i i think for me um I don't know. Like, I don't love those type of video games where they tell you what you have to push. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a little bit easier to, like, follow along if they're kind of like, triangle, yeah. square. Half a loop. Yeah. 
How, yeah, I don't. I could not figure out the loop thing. I don't mm-hmm. know what the deal with that was. Well, with God of War, and I played the original way back when it first came out, and I can't find that or the second one without signing up for yet another subscription service. It's going to cost me another ten dollars a month. So I just skipped straight to three. So that I'll figure it out as we go along here. So like, they've expected me to have recently played the other two games, and I, in God of War. Those battles where you're pressing the buttons are hugely cinematic, like they are like watching a movie. And so I almost wish it was like, well, let me beat them up, and then you do the cinema thing. Like, I don't need to hit the button. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the downside to those where they're telling you what button to push, you have to do it in the order they want you to do it in, mm-hmm. or you have to start all over. And that's kind of frustrating. It's like I do a little triangle thing, and I was supposed to hit the circle, and then he throws me across the planet. <laughs> There's a Medusa. Um, shit gets cray. Shit gets cray. <laughs> um, what else did we watch? Oh, two things, comedy related, and uh, we can dive into either one of them if you'd like. Uh, we watched The Hall, which was like a, a Hall of Fame award show esque type thing um, for stand ups, which I thought was brilliant. And then last night, I took an edible, and we watched the Norm MacDonald special, Nothing Special, which is like getting a Zoom call from heaven with Norm MacDonald when you've taken an edible. (laughs) I do think the post-interview for that one was a little long, though. They should have shortened it. Yeah. Like, it was kind of endearing because those were his friends, like, watching it for the first time, but they should have also shortened it down to, like, all of ten minutes at best. I want to hear what Adam Sandler has to say because he worked on SNL with him, and then... uh, I think David Spade did, too. And David Spade. Yeah, those two. Chappelle was a weird pick because I I don't know what their relationship... They did a movie together right after his dad Um, died. I've got you. But, I mean, it's still... What did you think of the special? Because I was... Better friends. Yeah. (laughs) I was really nervous about it, because of my my dire love for the late, great Norm MacDonald, um, that it wasn't in front of an audience. I was like, that's going to be a Zoom show, you know, which they tried to do during the pandemic, and nobody did it, like, funny. (laughs) But there were serious parts throughout the special where I was laughing my ass off. I felt closer to the actual production i think because it was you know like oh it's a zoom meeting with norm mcdonald and he's just trying to make me laugh you know like it felt more intimate i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah and like if it had been in front of a club and then they just did the big rest in peace you know yeah yeah i could definitely see that i i don't know it's kind of sad to watch Mm -hmm. knowing that he probably knew he was nearing the end and that's why he's recording it yeah and like I don't know. There were definitely bits that were pretty funny, but then there were bits too where it was like, "This was just sad." <laughs> I <laughs> miss my buddy. Sad. Um, so I don't know. A little torn. Like, I I think I like a lot of Norm's jokes that were like more popular. I do think his stand-up's probably a bit more your thing than my thing because mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm like, "Where are we going with this?" <laughs> It's the moth story in its entirety. <laughs> yeah, and I, I probably look a bit like the way Conan looks where he's like, all that for that, huh? <laughs> uh, it's like listening. It's like, you're just entertaining yourself at this point. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's legit like listening to your like senile grandpa. It's like, that's great, grandpa. Fascinating. Um, 
But no, it, it is kind of weirdly endearing, I think, to see him, like, in that setting, because, like, you can tell that um, it still really mattered to him, and mm-hmm. he wanted to do it well. He gets interrupted at one point by a dog, and, like, stops and waits for the dog to finish, and then restarts the entire joke he was telling, so you can tell he wanted to, like, hit it in one go. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know, it is weirdly endearing to, like, see this, like desire to get one last good one out there like i just thought it was so unique because i've never seen anything like that i thought it was going to be terrible but i had to watch it so it's like i i can't like the the thing with bob saget he released one final episode that came out like the day after he died or whatever it is and i've refused to listen to that interview because it's like after i do that Bob Saget's dead. <laughs> and with Norm, it was like, I, I can't not watch this. Like, he... Obviously, this isn't something that he just was thrown together after he was dead. Especially after you watch it, it becomes very clear that he knows he's dying. There's long stretches of talking about death. You know, like, almost an acknowledgement of it. And he did this for us to be put out after he was gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's real, because there's not going to be anything else. Um, I don't know why I'm keeping Bob Saget alive. Because <laughs> I definitely like Norm more. <laughs> um, and then just, I guess, we can wrap it up on The Hall. What would you think of The Hall? I liked that style better, if you're going to pay tribute to someone that's passed. I mean, obviously you don't want to interrupt... Um, Norm's segment, but I mm-hmm. wish maybe they had done it a bit more that way, where it was kind of a brief intro by the people that loved him, and then you see it, and mm-hmm. then kind of end on the episode, because it feels a bit like... Like, tell us your stories about Norm. This is what Norm has prepared for us, yeah. and then when he's done, he gets the last word. Yeah, like, it feels a bit weird to take that moment away from the person that the thing is about, Mm -hmm. Uh, which they did even in the hall. They did cut back to the person to go, it's my honor to induct so-and-so into the hall. Mm -hmm. So they they did technically have the last word, but, like, they gave their little monologue before we saw the bits. And I feel like that would have been more appropriate. I mean, I guess it's sort of impactful to have the screen because it opens up like we're watching it on our TV, and then whenever the screen finally closes, it's on a small TV they're all watching together. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's like sort of impactful because then you get them all sitting there being like, "Oh wow!" But like, it's a weird move to take someone's final words and then give the actual final words to someone else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did quite like the hall. My favorite part was Jeff Ross roasting the dead comedians, and I again. He talks about Gilbert Godfrey, Saget, and Norm. And I thought it was a really interesting choice to light Godfrey on fire. <laughs> Pretty much just shit all over him in a loving way because they were close. He didn't really make a joke about Norm, if you remember. Like, he just kind of goes, yeah, I loved him. He was fantastic. He was unique. Moving on to Bob Saget. And then roasts the shit out of Saget. And I don't know why that is. Like, I've seen a lot of... Did he know Norm as well? I would imagine so, if he knew those other two guys. Like, they were, like, really close to Norm. But I've seen quite a few interviews since he's passed away, and nobody really, like, fucks with him. Like, they fuck with the other guys. The Gilbert Godfrey Jewish Hitler joke almost made me piss myself. (laughs) 
Well, I think there's probably something a little sad, too, about someone who was never really quite as successful, mm-hmm. who spent a lot of his life gambling his life away. So there's probably something kind of, like, a little too sad to touch on making jokes about. That's true. Because, like, he, in a lot of ways, didn't really attain the level of success any of those other people did, because Gilbert went on to do movies, so mm-hmm. probably had an ungodly amount of money from Aladdin. Yeah, Saget was America's dad for yeah. the longest time. So they technically achieved, like, a higher level of success, so there's probably... Yeah, something a little heartbreaking about your friend who never really quite made it the same way that everyone mm-hmm. else did and blew all his money in casinos. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, oh, well, that's true. But I thought it was a really neat little ceremony thing because there's nothing that really exists like that for stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be like an annual. I think we talked about that when we were watching it. I was like, I hope they don't do this every year, but I do hope that once every couple of years they open the doors because they're inducting the greatest stand-ups of all time. And so if I remember correctly, it was Robin Williams, Joan Rivers, Richard Pryor, and George Carlin, right? And so they were able to, you know, these guys inspired me, like the the me's or the big names. So like Dave Chappelle does the thing for Pryor, and John Mulaney, I think, does the thing for Carlin can't remember the name of the girl who did Chelsea Handler Chelsea Handler and then I don't know the guy unless it's John Mulaney who did Robin Williams and I've mixed them up I think John Mulaney did do Robin Williams yeah um I've forgotten somebody I've mixed yeah. somebody up uh but these are like huge name modern day stand-ups paying homage to these legends you know and I think they oh, did it um the Night Show host. Oh my God, he did Carlin. The Night John Show. John Stewart. John Stewart. That's right. That's right. It's like we're getting legends that introduce these even bigger legends. In the middle of it, you get the Jeff Ross, you know, roasting the dead. I I would love to continue to see this sort of a thing. I don't know who introduces Sam Kennison into the hall. You know, all these other legends of comedy that people are, not just now, but maybe in like the past five years, really starting to appreciate stand-up comedy and like the history of what it is. Because it kind of comes in ebbs and flows. And I feel like for a while, uh, the mainstream public was get or done. You know, and that was the understanding of what the art form is. But by establishing some sort of, not an award show, you know, like the Oscars or the Emmys, but more of a, we need to get these fucking pictures on the wall because what are we doing not acknowledging the life accomplishments of Richard Pryor? (laughs) And then you cut back and you're like, well, here's the impact that Robin Williams had on my life. You know him as a dramatic actor. That's all well and good. Here's clips from his stand-up comedy that you've not seen because they're from some obscure nightclub in the 70s. Eventually, Eddie Murphy will make that list also. A hundred (laughs) percent. Eddie Murphy deserves that list. Chris Rock deserves that list, you know. Um, But I think it'll be a really cool, if that's something that they keep doing, I definitely support that. And if they made, they were saying, a museum, I'm definitely going to the museum. It's one of my favorite things in life is watching stand-up comedy and establishing it now as like you've got the rock and roll hall of fame 
now you've got something for comedians to aspire to and to learn from. And I'm, I was really impressed by it. Yeah, it was really well done. Um, I, mean, I would like to think they wouldn't realistically um, overdo it, because like we were talking about the day we watched it, like Lifetime Achievement Awards mm-hmm. and stuff like that typically are given to people um, either after their death or at the very end of their life. So mm-hmm. I would imagine it'd be kind of treated the same way. It's not like a Grammy or something. Yeah. That's the one Hitchcock got, right? Where he gave the speech to his wife. Was that a lifetime achievement? Um, I think he... Because he never actually won. Yeah, he never actually won anything. Yeah, I think it was a lifetime achievement award. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time those are given to people at the end of their life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I'm excited for it. I want to see who makes that list next. I want to see the next episode of Stranger Things. I'm excited about all the scrubs that we still have. There's an Ultimate Fighter that comes out tonight. I'm pretty we pumped. We still yeah. have to finish Afterlife, though. I need we to have to finish ends. Afterlife. <laughs> we need to know how that ends. Cause Somebody Feed Phil is back. Lots of good stuff. If you're ever out there and you're just sad because your day sucked, you can watch all the Feed Phil that you want. It's awesome. Very wholesome. Mm-hmm. Although, quit with the people dying. <laughs> like... He does not acknowledge it, and then you're just like, oh no, they died. It's like mom and dad are dead. So yeah, there's sads to, I guess, everything that we talked about today, except for Stranger Things. All right, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. I love you, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) And I love you guys. And we will talk to you next week.